This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Today's podcast is an audio drama by Paul K. Willis and his writing partner, Michael Boncour. It was broadcast on the CBC on June 30th, 1984, airing on the weekend variety show, The Entertainers, hosted by Jim Wright. It runs one hour, 12 minutes, and this comedy special will give you a really good look at what politics was like at the time and how the CBC sounded in 1984. Hello, I'm Jim Wright with a very special edition of The Entertainers. Today on The Entertainers, we'll hear from Rob Reiner about his career before and after his movie, This is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap is a very, is a hard-edged satire. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm directing now, and that's what I want to do. And uh, I hope to direct some more films after this. The movie follows the fortunes of a rock band as it struggles to stay on top of every musical trend that sweeps by. A group that's managed to keep its head above the treacherous waters of fashion is Kiss. For ten years, they've been grinding out their brand of heavy metal rock, and we'll have two of their number to tell us why. We don't write something that we don't believe, and we don't write something that's not close to us. But the bulk of today's program is something completely different. It's a comedy special from CBC's Radio Variety Department. And its title is... This Hour Has 17 Programs. Good morning. This is the CBC Radio Network, beginning another day of broadcasting. Canadian Broadcasting Corporation operates from studios in a big building downtown and is produced by some guys with beards and some women who make much of their own clothing. We hope you enjoy the varied offerings that make up our broadcast day. Please don't turn us off. Hello, I'm Peter Zosky. For hundreds of thousands in this country, unemployment is a bitter reality bringing with it feelings of anger and frustration. However, that's fortunately not the case with me. I've got a job. I'm the host of Morningside, coming up later this morning. Well, thank God it's Friday. A gracious good morning to you, and this is AM Morning. Maybe you're already on your way downtown. Maybe you're still at home, coughing into the sink. Whatever you're doing, we'll try to make it smooth and easy with the help of people like this. Here's the Sounds of Love Orchestra with Candyman. Traffic now, and let's go to Daryl in the basement. All right, Joe, we have an irate motorist waving a handgun just north of the exit ramps near the interchange. That overturned school bus still blocking the center lanes, traffic being rerouted, and police report the viaduct has collapsed. Thank you, Daryl. Try to avoid those areas. At the airport, Air Canada announces that all flights are on time and no planes on fire. 
It's 17 past the hour. And here's George with sports. Thank you, Joe, and hello, everyone. Well, hockey season may be over, but somehow all the news still seems to be Wayne Gretzky. Last night, the Blue Jays took on the Tigers. In the end, it was Tigers 7, Blue Jays 5. Can't help but think that a bases loaded hit by Gretzky might have made all the difference on that one. Coach Joe Galat of the Concord still looking for someone to fill the slot back position. Can't think of why he doesn't call Gretzky. Members of Canada's women's Olympic skeet shooting team were announced this morning. Gretzky didn't qualify. And finally, the NHL Players Association announced the creation of a new award, the Wayne Gretzky Award, to be presented annually to Wayne Gretzky. That's it, Joe. Joyce Fraser is the producer of We Are Your Dead, yes. which opened last night at the Alternative Warehouse Theater space. Good morning, Joyce. Hi there. We Are Your Dead. It's described in this brochure as a musical yes. in which the victims of a nuclear war rise from the dead to confront their ancestors, the audience. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is right. Well, you've been good enough to assemble the cast here in the studio at this very early hour to do a number for us from We Are Your Dead. I wonder if you could introduce them to us. Uh, certainly. Going from left, uh, that's Sean O'Malley wearing the helmet, and that's Libby Shapiro with the drum. The man with the blue face is Morgan Thomas, and the girl holding the burn doll is Heather Simpson. And the number you're going to do is? Song of the Undead from the first act. One, two, three, four. We are your dead. Mega victims of indiscriminate slaughter. Mired in the limbo of self-doubt, we rise as one from our mass grave and cry, Jacques So, in spite of the lighthearted music, there's a serious message here. Oh, yes. The play is We Are Your Dead, presented by the Stop the Cruise players. It's at the Alternative Warehouse Theater space, and tickets are... Available. Thank you, Joyce. It's 28 past the hour now. Here's Daryl with an update on traffic. Still trying to get that DC-9 off the collector lanes near the boulevard. Traffic's still backed up there. Thanks, Daryl. Figaro Corleone is the colorful alderman for Ward 7. He's with us here this morning, and Alderman Corleone, you caused quite a stir last night in council with your proposal to erect a giant plexiglass dome over your ward. Now, isn't this an awfully ambitious project? How big will this plexiglass dome be? Uh, I can't get into specific measurements right now, Joe. Well, can you tell me how much this dome will cost? Joe, uh, that's information I am unable to provide at this point in time. Your last proposal, the two-decker floating airport, what's happening with that? Joe, you're asking me something I can't tell you about right now. Suffice to say, the big things are happening. Well, you don't have the support of the mayor regarding your dome. Last night, he told reporters that it's just a scam to take your voters' minds off the rising crime in your ward. Yeah, well, the mayor's a scumball. Thank you, Alderman. Have a cigar. Well, it's a fine sunny morning out there, but Gordon says that's all bound to change. That's right, Joe. We're seeing the last of that high-pressure system responsible for all that sunshine. We have a low-pressure system moving in on the city at an alarming speed, bringing with it erratic bursts of lightning and sudden gusts of hot wind. About four, the sky should turn sort of a greenish-yellow. After that, all heck will break loose. So it's real take-your-raincoat weather. I'd say so, yes, Joe. Seven minutes to the hour now. <laughs> Jorge Kelmer Houchke will be playing his classical saxophone in a noon hour concert today at St. Lucifer's Church. And the Lunchbag Players will be presenting a 35-minute version of The Trojan Women today at 12.30. Bring your lunch, sit back, and enjoy the fun. 
that's about it for AM Morning. And let's look at traffic now with Daryl. That wall of flame advancing rapidly down the parkway, traffic being rerouted, everything else normal. Thanks, Daryl. See you Monday. This is CBC Radio. Hello, this is Morningside. I'm Peter Zosky. As regular listeners know, we encourage you to write with your opinions and your requests, and we do our best to answer as promptly as we can. I've got one such letter here. M. Roper of Oshawa writes, Dear Mr. Heron, I've enjoyed the music of Margaret Atwood for many years. When will you have her on your show? Well, M. Roper, it's your lucky day. Your request's answered. Margaret Atwood, good morning. Hello, Peter. There were some gasps of amazement at Sotheby's Auction House in New York last night when I think 20 group of seven paintings were sold for an average price of $50 apiece. We're speaking with Jeffrey Harris, Sotheby's managing director. Morning, Mr. Harris. I take it no one was expecting the paintings to go for such prices. Uh, that is correct. I'd imagined we might get 20 maybe $30, nothing like 50 Well, uh, what sort of people bought the paintings? Uh, there are mostly people who wanted the frames. Oh, what were some of the paintings that were sold? Oh, I don't know. They all look the same after a while. Uh, Jack Pine or something? Uh, a couple of pictures of icebergs? I'm not sure. I, I find this rather shocking, Mr. Harris. I suppose you, you sold them all. There's no hope of reclaiming any of them. Oh, sure, but uh, you'll have to be quick. I put the ones that were left over on a card table out in the sidewalk. Oh, thank you for talking with us. Anytime. Jeffrey Harris speaking from New York. As I mentioned at the beginning of the program, we're honored this morning with the presence of Margaret Atwood. Hello, Margaret. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. We also have with us Cecil Hind. Cecil is a founding member of the Greenpeace Organization. Good morning. Cecil, I know your work chiefly involves those wonderful, intelligent mammals, the whales. That's right, Peter. In fact, you're here to talk about the first Greenpeace record album, Songs of the Whales. When we say Songs of the Whales, we really mean those high-pitched sonar noises the whales make to communicate with one another. No, no, we mean songs. Actual songs? It all sounds a little far-fetched. Maybe you should play us this sample. Right. Now, this is a whale we recorded near the Queen Charlotte Islands a couple of months ago. Now, Peter, if you listen closely, I think you'll hear an actual song. record is Songs of the Whales on the Greenpeace label. Thank you, Cecil Hine, for dropping by this morning with this amazing album. This morning, we continue with our series of readings, the correspondence between Noel Coward and Adolf Hitler. In today's episode, Noel recounts an evening spent at the Basil Rathbones while Adolf explains nationalist socialism. My dearest Adolf, so good to receive your delightfully chatty letter of the ninth. Gertie is in fine form at the toast of the town. Dinner last night at the Basil Rathbones. Much gay chatter and afterwards a dip in the pool filled entirely with champagne. 
You must think us all quite mad, Noel. Herr Coward, National Socialism is the collective will of the German people seeking to redress the humiliation of Versailles. The sacred image of Frederick the Great stands as a beacon on the path to true national consciousness. Guten Tag, Hitler. Monday's episode, Noel Coward describes his review, Eye Poppers, while Hitler explains his plans for the conquest of Poland. The Young People's Reading Place is a relatively new enterprise here in Toronto. The founder is Michelle Bonaventure, and she's dropped by with some of the latest offerings from the publishers of children's books. Good morning. Good morning. Have you met Margaret Atwood? Hi. Hello there. First, uh, tell us about the young person's reading place. Well, it's a storefront operation, a room where children are invited to come, sit on brightly colored benches, and read quietly to themselves. And how's business? Slow. You brought several books with you. Uh, what's the top one? <gasps> this one is absolutely marvelous, Peter. It's very advanced. It's called Daddy's Fed Up and He's Moving Out Once and for All. Sounds a little heavy. Well, it's designed to help explain to children the breakdown of the family unit. And as you can see, it's beautifully illustrated with lovely, delicate watercolors. Oh, uh, what's this next one? It, it feels kind of funny. Isn't that cunning? It's recycled cheesecloth. Once Upon a Canadian Time. A book of Canadian fairy tales. And high time, too, I say. They're the traditional fairy tales with additional Canadian reference points. Well, can you give us a sample? Well, now, let's see, let's see, let's see. Once upon a time, in Calgary, there lived a king. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but I really think I'm saving the best for last. It's Jim Bean's new book, Muggly, Muggly, Muggly Wump. Oh, he wrote Higgly Piggly Pie. Yes, doesn't he have a way with words? Muggly, 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 muggly wump. Things that go bang and things that go bump. Muggly, muggly, muggly wump. I think I'll have some tea. Such fun. Don't you think they're fun? I think they're fun. Michelle Bonaventure of the Young Person's Reading Place. Thank you. Okay. Monday, we begin a brand new week of Morningsides. W.O. Mitchell will discuss his new book, Who Hath Broken Wind? Judith White, our cooking expert, will teach us how to eat crow. And Lister Sinclair will be dropping by dressed up as Galileo. Margaret Atwood, thank you for being here. A pleasure, Peter. Until Monday, I'm Peter Zosky. Bye for now. Now, here are some program highlights coming up later today on CBC Radio. This afternoon, there's action, drama, and just a hint of suspense as CBC presents the Dominion Observatory time signal. That's at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Later this evening on Ideas, Lister Sinclair and his guests discuss the idea of Lister Sinclair. That's on Ideas. Then at 11, host Alan McPhee will take a large quantity of LSD and at midnight go on the air with Eclectic Circus. And those are a few program highlights coming up later today on CBC Radio. Hello there. This is Radio Lunch. 
If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, how many pecks of pickled peppers would Peter Piper pick? We'll be phoning Eugene Whalen in Ottawa to see if he knows. And which came first, the chicken or the egg? We'll see if the egg marketing board has the answer. But first... Country calendar, a rundown on rural happenings across the land. There's a farmer's daughter's auction this weekend in Clarence. Buyers can inspect the girls from 7 a.m. until they go on the block at 9. Clarence is two miles north of Spooner. Turn right at the big tree. A good old-fashioned tar and feathering will be the order of the day at the Elvis Community Center tomorrow night. The fun begins at midnight. And the women of St. Cecil United Church will hold their monthly meeting Sunday night at 7. Cutting remarks, gossip, and the spreading of false rumors are on the agenda. All are welcome. Those are a few of the rural happenings this weekend in and around our region. It's the end of the growing season, and farmers are not happy. To find out why, we phoned a representative, Bud Collier, in Angus Township. Bud, to put it mildly, farmers are not happy. No, we're not. Specifically, why? Well, it's hard to put your finger on. I guess we're just naturally cantankerous. So, there's no single reason? No, not really. We're just plain miserable, I guess. Well, is there anything that can be done? Nope. Don't think so. Everything looks pretty near hopeless. (laughs) Well, we wish you the best of luck. Not likely to happen. Bye. Time now for Radio Lunch Phone-In, your opportunity to talk with our expert. Give us a call here at the studio, 925-3311. Our expert today is Reuben Phillips. Welcome. Hello. Let's go to our first caller. Do you have a question for Mr. Phillips? Yes, I, I do. I, I have a wandering Jew's mother-in-law's tongue that's turning yellow, and, and the ends of the leaves are all turning brown. L- let me ask you, are you putting out your cigarette butts in the planter? Yes. Try dropping your plant from a great height. Oh, I will. Thank you. That should work. Radio lunch, phone in. Uh, hello. Uh, I have a husband. I'd say he was a period piece, and he has lost a great deal of his luster. Okay. Uh, take some number two steel wool. Steel wool? Yeah. Prop him up on one end and remove the old finish. Uh, the old finish, yes. Then hand rub in a coat of polyurethane. Hand rub a coat of... Uh... Polyurethane. Polyurethane. Thank you. Time for one last call. Please be brief. I have this ringing sound in my head. That's Radio Lunch for another day. Thank you, Reuben Phillips. And Carol, what do we have to look forward to on Monday? Get stuffed. It's a new book of recipes from the Turkey Growers Association, plus all our regular features. Well, we'll see you then. Henry Purcell, Sound the Trumpet, the first of many selections today here on RSVP. I'm David Lenick here in our Edmonton studios, and that request comes from R. Nickel in St. John. And R. Nickel, we hope you enjoyed it. RSVP, the program in which we play classical requests from listeners who'd rather wait nine weeks to hear their selection than spring for the nine bucks to buy the actual record. And today on RSVP, the music of Dvorak, Bartok, Wagner, the Rhythm Pals, and many others. For Sarah Henderson in Vancouver, who requested anything by Vivaldi, and Emil Edward of Thunder Bay, who wanted a little Shostakovich, here's Hall of the Mountain King from Grieg's Pierkin Suite.
apology now to a listener in Peggy's Cove. Anne Duncan wrote to request the Anvil Chorus, sung by the La Scala Opera Chorus. Sorry, Anne, no such record in our library. You'll have to be content with this. For Anne Duncan in Peggy's Cove, here's the Anvil Chorus played by Glenn Miller. Mr. and Mrs. Alan Simmons in Saskatoon would like to hear a little bit of the Ride of the Valkyries. There you go. The music now of Giuseppe Verdi. Verdi, of course, was a famous composer who lived a long time ago and is now dead. For Barry McKinnon in Yellowknife, here is his request for Verdi's Il Trovatore, the loud part about a third of the way in on side four. As you know, we do our very best to comply with the many requests received here on RSVP, but it seems there's just never enough time. Such is the case once again. Two long-time listeners have both asked to hear specific pieces today, and though we're almost out of time, Trevor Black of Toronto, here is your request, The Elite Syncopation's Rag by Scott Joplin. For Fritz Chalmers of Ocean Falls, a piece we played a few months back, the Anvil Chorus. I'm David Lenick, and this was RSVP. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you all. It's the Rolling Home Show, and coming up this next hour or so, music from the likes of Kenny Rogers, Sheena Easton, Kenny Rogers, and we'll try to pay a little Sheena Easton. And speaking of, here she is now with My Baby Takes the Morning Train. My Another home again. That's probably where you're headed now, and here to help you along, Vic Haskins. And Vic, you're usually our plant expert. That's right, Sheila. Al called in sick, so I'm sitting in. Well, all sorts of trouble with traffic today. It's certainly a mystery to yours truly, but for some reason, everybody decided to leave the downtown area about 5 o'clock this afternoon. As a result, there's heavy traffic everywhere, and all of it's leaving the city core. It's an unusual situation, and one I'll keep you posted on. Vic Haskins ably filling the shoes of our usual traffic reporter, Al Cummings. It's a quarter past the hour now. Here's Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Kenny Rogers. Well, a new musical has opened in town. We Are Your Dead, described as a nuclear musical, opened last night at the Alternative Warehouse Theater Space. And Jim Hatchett, you were there. That's right, Sheila. I was one of the few. 
I sat in the drafty confines of that would-be theater witnessing the latest offering of Joyce Fraser and her ragtag collection of nobodies. But from the moment the cast first appeared wandering the aisles, glassy-eyed and dazed, the supposed victims of some nuclear holocaust, I knew we were in for a long evening. I could have done without a certain Heather Simpson repeatedly shoving some half-burned doll in my face. Add to this the incessant drum-banging by one Libby Shapiro, and I was quickly the victim of a ferocious headache. I'd give it a minus 11. Let's check it again with Vic Haskins and the traffic. Good news, Sheila. The traffic is beginning to thin out. Now, as mysteriously as it all started, this rush to the suburbs is winding down. Still trouble to report, though. We have a man locked out of his car on 4th Avenue. He's gone to look for a coat hanger, so try to avoid that area. You know, trust this crazy traffic situation to happen today, Sheila. I'll be glad to get back to my plans. Thanks, Vic. about it for another Rolling Home show. Some of the items coming up for Monday, controversial investment counselor Gina Murphy will be dropping by to promote her new book, Quadruple Your Money in Four Minutes. Professional lacrosse in our city? That's the exciting prospect put forth by Alderman Figaro Corleone. He'll be dropping in to discuss just that. And a man who heats his house with manure. All coming up on Monday. Till then, bye for now. This is CBC Radio. From coast to coast on the CBC radio network and around the world via atomic radio waves, this is As It Happens. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Gray. And I'm Alan Macon. Tonight... President Reagan says to hell with it and launches the first strike on the Soviet Union. Could this have lasting effects? Gerda Munsinger says she's fed up with reporters who harass her and insist on digging up the same old story. We'll harass her and dig up the same old story. And a Louisiana judge sentences a jaywalker to 17 years hard labor. This is As It Happens, radio that only sentences you to one hour of hard labor. With Libyan strongman Muammar Gaddafi holding fast to his dream of a North African Islamic empire, the intervention of outside power brokers significantly raises the stakes in this troubled region. We talked to Elmer Witt of Galveston, Texas, owner of the world's largest duck. Mr. Witt, you say you own the world's largest duck. Yes, sir, that is correct, Miss Gray. Colonel Gaddafi seems to be playing a curious game of intimidation with his neighboring states. Well, now, Gaddafi's real aim is to focus attention away from internal dissensions and plummeting oil revenues. How big is your duck? 17 feet across and 400 pounds. What, in your opinion, are Gaddafi's chances of realizing his vision? Minimal, considering the possible intervention of Mubarak and Mitterrand. You must be very fond of your duck. Yes, we are. His name is Gus, and he's like one of the family. Thank you. Coming up on As It Happens. Brian Mulroney appoints former Prime Minister Joe Clark as personal envoy to outer space. According to Mulroney, Clark will be shot into space, visit strange planets, and report to the caucus. This and more on As It Happens, radio that shoots you into space. After 16 eventful years, Pierre Elliott Trudeau has decided to call it quits. What are the Prime Minister's thoughts now that he is returning to private life? 
We phoned Mr. Trudeau in Ottawa. Mr. Trudeau, you're finally stepping down. Can you tell us the events that led up to your decision? Well, I, I think uh, they're pretty well known, Elizabeth. Uh, I went uh, for a walk in the snow, uh, and then I had a sauna. And uh, then when I, I went uh, back out into the snow and uh, rolled around, uh, did some karate, then uh, uh, a sauna. Yes, thank uh, you. Uh, what do you think you accomplished as Prime Minister? Well, I, I think uh, Canadians are now more aware of their rights under the law. Because of our new constitution? Uh, I was thinking more of the War Measures Act. Uh, are your boys happy that you're retiring, sir? I suppose they are. Uh, Mark Guigan seemed quite elated. I meant uh, your sons. Will your sons mind moving to Quebec? Uh, uh, no, uh, they're quite uh, used to traveling to foreign countries. Thank you for speaking with us, Mr. Trudeau. Goodbye. Au revoir. As it happens, the Friday edition. As it happens, returns Monday. See you then. This is CBC Radio. Hello, I'm Vicki Gabbro. This is Variety Tonight, so what's it to you? Tonight I'll be talking to just about anyone in Vancouver who has a pulse. Alex Barris will be here with another dead jazz musician. Excuse me? Queen Elizabeth could be dropping by for a chat. Well, it's theoretically possible. And there'll be lots of surprises. But first, let's get underway with blind ball Bessie Smith and her 1926 rendition of That Reefer Man, He Oughta Have His Head Cut Off. <laughs> A new show opened last night in Toronto, titled We Are Your Dead. It's described as a nuclear musical. And Canada's first lady of Fringe Theatre, Joyce Frazier, is the producer, and we have her on the line. Alternative Warehouse Theatre Space. Is Joyce Frazier there, please? No. She's gone. They're all gone. This is Vicki Gabbaro, CBC Radio Variety Tonight. So? So I had arranged an interview with Joyce Frazier at this time. She's gone. I see. Well, then, let's talk to you. When did you first become interested in theater? I'm not. I just work here. I see. Nobody's here. They're gone. Yes, well, goodbye. <laughs> Alex Barris is here, as always. And, Alex, what legendary figure from the world of jazz are we saluting tonight? Vicky, does the name Lips Carlson ring a bell with you? No. Well, I guess everyone has their own favorite Lips Carlson memory, but, you know, Lips' story was a tragic one. Surprise, surprise. Lips Carlson was a victim of the McCarthy hearings. He was accused of being a communist. That's awful. Well, unfortunately, it was true. He was a raging communist. But a wonderful musician. No, he wasn't very good. Lips' chosen instrument was the clarinet. The old licorice stick. No, the clarinet. He got his start with the Paul Whiteman Orchestra, who hired him to run out and get coffee. In 1942, he formed his own band. Here's a recording, Vicky, of Lips Carlson and his band live at the Coconut Grove on the night that famous nightclub burned to the ground. 
unfortunately, troubles were just beginning for Carlson. A few years later, he was hauled up before Senator Joe McCarthy's House Un-American Activities hearings. Lips Carlson proclaimed himself a communist. Took a lot of guts. Well, he also turned in all his friends. In 1954, he formed his final band and released this recording. People said Lips had sold out. You decide. sold out. Thank you, Alex. Nancy White, the civil service songwriter, is here with me. And Nancy, what brings you to Vancouver? You sent for me, Vicki. I flew here for this interview. That's right. Did you have a nice flight? A little bumpy, but quite nice. Nancy, there's so much more I wanted to ask you, but as you can see, we're just about out of time. So what are your plans for the future? Well, I thought I'd go out to the airport and see if I can get a flight back home tonight. Well, the very best of luck to you. This is Variety Tonight. We'll be back Monday. We'll see you then. Good evening, and welcome to Book Time. Tonight, Book Time begins the first of a possible endless series of readings by Jean-Claude Tassé from his book... The fat lady next door just fell out the window. Monsieur Tasse's first book, A Firm and Pleasant Woman, was so successful a second copy had to be printed. The fat lady next door just fell out the window is his most recent effort and is published by Macmillan's at $25. And now, Jean-Claude Tasse reading from The Fat Lady Next Door Just Fell Out the Window. Hey, mama, I cried. Me and Mordecai is going to play stickball down on the main. My mother look up from her wash tub. Make sure you don't play with that Leighton boy, eh? That one, he juggled the ball with one arm. She laughed and returned to the scrubbing of my tattered Canadian team shirt. It was a good time to be growing up in Montreal. On Saturday, we would put on the army cadet uniform and go down to Suzanne, who give you the tea and the oranges. But more and more that summer, it seemed, she was not there. You have been listening to The Fat Lady Next Door Just Fell Out the Window, read by the author. Good night for book time. And a happy Saturday morning to you. I'm irrepressibly happy Arthur Black here with Basic Black show for Quirks and Quarks fans who turn the radio on too early. A potpourri of offerings this morning as always and we'll get underway right after this. Russ Vogel is a Vancouverite who collects rare jazz recordings. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Arthur. How large is your collection? How many recordings do you have? About 4,000. I understand they're all very rare, many of them one of a kind. Uh, that's right. I know you brought some examples with you. Can you tell us about the first one? Uh, this one, this one's an old RCA red label. R.D. Shaw with something called the uh, Sonia Henny Boogie. Ah, maybe we could hear a bit of that. No. Pardon? I never play them. Too valuable. I was led to understand that we'd be hearing some of these. No. Maybe just one. No exceptions, I'm afraid. Uh, you have how many recordings in your collection? About 4,000, all told. Many of them rare. 
Oh, one of a kind. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Fran Decker is a philatelist. No, now, don't send the children out of the room. That's just a fancy word for a stamp collector. Fran's retired and makes her home in Digby, Nova Scotia. We've got her on the phone. How are you today, ma'am? Yes, very clearly. You're a philatelist, a stamp collector. Uh, how many stamps in your collection? What? Uh, how many stamps do you have in your collection? Uh, I don't know. Hold the line, I'll go count them. Oh, that won't be net, uh, Mrs. Decker. Splish, splash, I was taking a bath. Long about a Saturday night. You know, I was listening to the radio the other day, and a song by Phil Oaks came on, and I thought to myself, by gosh, that's good music. And at the same time, where is Phil today? Or for that matter, where is Otis Redding, Jim Croce, or Janis Joplin? Where are these people who delight us for a time and then seem to disappear? Why aren't we hearing new music from the likes of Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, or even the king himself, Elvis Presley? I can only conclude that they've been cast aside by their record companies, dismissed as old-fashioned or not with it. Well, Mr. Record Executive, let me say this to you. Get these people back into the studios. Let's give them another chance. Let's get some new music out of them. Or does everyone know something I don't? That's it for me. I'm Arthur Black. Basic Black is produced in Toronto while I remain in Thunder Bay. You figure it out. Stay tuned now for those four frantic guys, the Frantics, coming up next. Coming! Yes? I'm here for your wife. My wife? Yes, I want to cut her down. Cut her down? Yeah, with this! And I love you too, Christopher. Hazel, darling, would you do something for me? Anything, anything you ask. Then would you, would you put on this? <laughs> no, wear it like this. <laughs> Just wait till I start it up. You're right, darling. It was terrible. Is this yours? <laughs> it was terrible of me. In fact, I want to make it up to you. Would you please accept this as a token of how sorry I am? Well, all right. What is it? <laughs> oh, no! And now a representative of the New Democratic Party. Good evening. Tonight I'd like to talk to you very seriously. Now, the way I see things... Oh! <laughs> Speed it in and it's very time to do a little sound even more exciting. Peter Wobble saying, bye for now.
human brain can be divided into five equal parts if you use a very sharp knife. What do you think of that? I firmly believe that cigarette smoking is good for you. It's a very healthful activity. I'm Jay Ingram. Welcome to Quirks and Quarks. Is our planet on a collision course with a giant meteorite? Will the planet Earth be destroyed in a cataclysmic explosion that will hurtle giant chunks of matter into the far reaches of a distant solar system? It's an exciting thought and one that I get off on. For an answer, I talked with Dr. Dorothy Patterson at the Mount Palomar Observatory in California. Doctor, are we doomed to be destroyed in a horrendous collision with a wayward gargantuan meteorite? No, I don't think so. What are the chances that giant firestorms will sweep across our planet, destroying everything in their path? I never heard anything like that before. With the ozone layer disintegrating every second of the day, I suppose we're all doomed to regenerate extra limbs. No, honestly, I don't know where you get this stuff. Thank you, Doctor. Whew, what a relief. Now, let's go to Bronwyn Draney at the science desk. Thank you, Jay. Scientists have invented a way to cook bread. A device, the toaster, cooks the bread until it's crispy brown. Back to you, Jay. Everyone likes clean clothes, and everyone has their own favorite product for getting them clean. For me, it's Bold with active cleansers. Dr. Theodore Gilchrist is a researcher at the Bold Institute. We visited him, little realizing he would demonstrate an astounding scientific breakthrough. Jay, I'm taking away your bowl. Oh, no, Dr. Gilchrist. You look at these scientific tests from a leading university, son, while I put your bold in this machine and new bold, too, with even more cleaning power in this machine. Well, Dr. Gilchrist has washed the two loads, and look how clean this one is. Yes, that's new bold with extra cleaning power. Really puts the scientific boot to dirty laundry blues. Fresh new scent, too. This is Jay Ingram for Quirks and Quarks. tomorrow's scientists coming from? Which of today's young people have the right stuff? Benjamin Hastings is an administrator at McGill University in Montreal. Mr. Hastings, is it possible to tell early on who will make a good scientist? Yes, Jay. Boys with bad skin, horn-rimmed glasses, and crew cuts generally make the best scientists. How about girls? The quiet ones who keep pretty much to themselves and draw pictures of horses. Thanks, Mr. Hastings. This has been Quirks and Quarks. Until next time, this is Jay Ingram saying, Golly! Saturday afternoon of the radio show. I'm Jack Barr, here in Winnipeg. Danny Finkelman is in Toronto looking for interesting beer bottles beside a major highway. We'll be going live to him. Harold Ballard is our celebrity book reviewer. He's been reading Sylvia Plath. We've got music, interviews. We'll be getting live reports from the Funny Hat Festival in Nanaimo, B.C. But first, a little taste of the 50s. Well, it's one for the morning, two for the show. You get ready now, go get go. There you go. Jackie Fine is standing by at the Funny Hat Festival. Hello, Jackie. <laughs> well, it's 
like you're having a great time in Nanaimo, Jackie. We'll be getting back to you soon. Veteran screen star Rita Hayworth turned 61 last week. We decided to call her up. Sixty-first, Danny Finkelman is on the road, literally. He's just north of Toronto, walking along a highway, looking for interesting beer bottles. And Danny, how's it going? Just fine, Jack. What have you managed to come up with? Nothing so far. Still looking. What is this, a hobby with you, Danny? What makes a crazy guy like you go out looking for beer bottles? Thought it would be a good bit for the radio show, Jack. It is, Danny. It is. It was a one-eyed, one-horned flying purple people eater. One-eyed, one-horned flying purple people. The flying purple people eater. Jackie Fine is standing by in Nanaimo with another report from the Funny Hat Festival. Jack, hey, Jack. I got Cy Whiskey with me. He's the organizer of this Funny Hat Festival. That's great, Jackie. Hope it goes well. From Winnipeg, this is the radio show. I'm the old captain, Jack Farr. Hello and welcome to the listeners in Alberta and British Columbia just tuning me in. Goodbye to the thousands just turning me off. This is the radio show. From Winnipeg, I'm Jack Farr. Uh-oh, it's time for Jock Talk and a couple of eager debaters in the ring today. Alan Abel from the Globe and Mail. Hello, Jack. And from the rival Toronto star, Rex McLeod. Hi, Jack. Alan, you have the first 15 seconds. Jack, to my way of thinking, there's no place for women in professional kickboxing today. Now, say I'm a chauvinist, but I think... All right, Alan, Alan, I've got to call you there. You're with the other side of the coin, Rex McLeod. Is there anything more boring than televised golf, I ask you? I mean, the idea of a bunch of grown men chasing a little ball around the golf. All right, there you go. Time's up on two very opposite opinions. I'll be back to name the winner in just a moment. Another classic from the past, the Peppermint Twist. Well, would you believe it? For the seventh week running, it's a tie. Thank you, Rex. Thank you, Alan. This is the radio show with the old captain, Jack Farr. From Winnipeg, this is the radio show. I'm Jack Farr, and can you believe it? Time's run out on the old captain. Just enough left to check in with Danny Finkelman, still looking for those interesting beer bottles. Come in, Danny. Hello, Danny. Danny. From Winnipeg, this has been another edition of The Radio Show. I'm Jack Barr. This is CBC Radio.
from the four corners of the universe and parts of southern Ontario, this is Sunday Morning. Sunday Morning, the radio news magazine of the hemispheres. A week in the life of a day of the world. Sunday Morning. Sunday Morning. Sunday Morning. Sunday Morning. Hello, I'm Christopher Thomas. And I'm Barbara Smith. Dateline Malonga. President Mabuto of Swazini is deposed and a righteous junta takes over. How will this affect the crow rate? Washington. President Reagan mentions Canada in passing. Does this mean a new thawing in relations? Ottawa. Canadians in every province are growing old and dying. The Department of Health wants to know why. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. The latest Gallup polls are out, and it's bad news for the new Democratic Party. Latest figures indicate that if an election were held today, the Conservatives would receive 55% of the vote, the Liberals, 33%, and the NDP, 12%. Reporter Melanie Cruikshank took a look at NDP fortunes and sent this report. I'm Melanie Cruikshank in New Brunswick. This is a rare sight in our country these days, an NDP rally, and already the town hall is packed. Ed Broadbent is scheduled to speak, and the audience seems unusually enthusiastic. John Dexter, one of the organizers, is well pleased. I think that this is proof that the Canadian voter still supports the new Democratic Party. 9.05 and the striptease girl, as promised, begins her routine. Now, Mr. Dexter, are these people really here to listen to Ed Broadbent or is it the entertainment? Melanie, I think you're underestimating the political consciousness of the Canadian people. Excuse me, uh, I have to pass out the free beer. The striptease girl is finishing her routine and in just a moment, Broadbent will take the stage to announce his new party platform. Hey, let's hear it for Miss Ricky Tech Okay, all right, gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for, the leader of the new Democratic Party, the next time, uh, gentlemen, if you'll just remain in your, uh, gentlemen, if you'll just hold on a few minutes, gentlemen. For Sunday morning, this is Melanie Cruikshank. Affiliated stations, please shut up. This is Sunday morning. Arts World, Sunday morning's weekly review of the arts. To almost everyone in the country, she's the biggest thing in opera. No one, it is said, packs the weight of a Maureen Forrester. But her career took a sharp turn with a concert she performed last week at the National Arts Center. The marquee reads Maureen Forrester, but the crowd looks more like a Rush concert. Heavy metal freaks stripped to the waist, plus a sprinkling of Ottawa dignitaries in black tie. Security is heavy. Even Madame Sauvé is told to bend over while she is frisked for bottles and drugs. The reason for this bizarre gathering is simple. Maureen Forrester has gone pop with a vengeance. Forrester doing this? Is it for the fast, easy money, or is there a deeper, more complex reason? 
It's for the fast, easy money. Ms. Forrester, you're an artist. I don't understand oh, how you... Get off my case, honey. Concludes with the inevitable exploding flash bombs. Miss Forrester, it seems, has set her feet firmly on this controversial path. Next month, she begins a 20-city North American tour with the band Motorhead. Her first rock and roll album, Pistol, is due out in April. For Sunday morning, this is Naomi Wood in Ottawa. This has been Arts World, our weekly review of the arts. Headliners. Each week we challenge our listeners to find the musical and verbal clues hidden in our cryptic puzzle. Last week our musical clue was... Just as you go Everywhere I go. And our verbal clues were what John McEnroe has a lot of and what the Queen puts on her head. The music was Just a Gigolo, sung by Bing Crosby. Toward the end of his life, he became a spokesman for General Motors. And our verbal clues, John McEnroe has a lot of gall and the Queen wears a tiara on her head. The answer? General Galtieri, the former military leader of Argentina. Our five winners are... M. McTeer, Ottawa. Professor and Mrs. Sullivan, Halifax. Air Vice Marshal Fitzsimmons, Victoria. The Downey family, Windsor. And the former Mrs. Potter, Edmonton. Each will receive a copy of the Margaret Atwood exercise book. is Sunday Morning, the shining jewel in the tiara of CBC Information Radio. Sunday Morning is heard across Canada by people who can't help getting up before nine, even on Sundays. This is Sunday Morning. Sunday Morning. Sunday Morning. The International Review, Sunday Morning's weekly review of international stuff. With east-west tensions at an all-time high, the future of Soviet leadership becomes a subject of paramount interest. Correspondent Richard Rodney Hunter-Evans reports from Moscow. The recent state funeral of Soviet President Yuri Andropov has given rise to the inevitable rumors that he is not well and may be losing his grip on power. His replacement, Konstantin Chernyenko, is an easygoing 102-year-old with a glass eye and a plastic hand. At a state reception held following the Andropov funeral, Chernyenko started rumors of his own when he arrived in a portable iron lung. But even these Soviet citizens lining up to buy gumboots are aware that the struggle for leadership is far from over. So just who are the most powerful men in the Soviet Union today? Who stands next in line to take the reins of power? Alexander Gorky Park, 86, is one. The present head of the KGB, he is known as a great bear of a man and has not uttered a word since 1938. Then there's Victor Niet, 73. Known as a great bear of a man, he is a former head of the KGB and a lot of fun at a party. The third candidate is 110-year-old Gulag Lermontov. Known as a great bear of a man, he is said to eat only yogurt and was once a boyhood friend of Lenin's. 
The man most likely to succeed will be the one who garners the most votes in the Soviet Presidium and manages to kill Chernyenko. For Sunday morning, this is Richard Rodney, Hunter Evans, reporting from Moscow. This has been Sunday Morning, the colossus of radio news magazines heard weekly at this time. I'm Christopher Thomas. I'm Barbara Smith. And now, here are some program highlights coming up later today on CBC Radio. At four this afternoon, it's Sunday matinee. And composer Cliff Jones's musical, Salute to Greek Tragedy, Hey Euripides. Then host David Essex presents Six Days Without a Bath, a show featuring music by the kind of guys who insist on bringing their guitars to your parties. That's at eight. At nine, it's Our Native Land, a program devoted to our Inuit, Indian, and Métis listeners. Tonight, a discussion of Persian rugs. Where to purchase them, how to maintain them. That's on Our Native Land. And those are a few of the highlights coming up later today on CBC Radio. Gilmore's Albums. A weekly series of recorded offerings with your host, columnist and record player, Clyde Gilmore. Clyde Gilmore is about 5 foot 8, 186 pounds, and wears a gray suit. From his own collection, Mr. Gilmore will offer a wide selection of favorites, both old and warped. Here is Clyde Gilmore. Hello. One of the most interesting recordings in my collection is this early Deutsche Grammophone pressing featuring the voice of the German tenor Siegfried Sturmwinder. Throughout the Nazi era, Sturmwinder was continually harassed by the authorities, not for reasons of race or politics, but because he was so very, very bad. In this 1938 release, we actually can hear the authorities enter the recording studio and arrest Herr Sturmwinder mid-area. last known recording by the German tenor Siegfried Sturmwinder. Back when I was a cub reporter for the Vancouver province, I was frequently sent to review the performances of the first lady of the nightclub, Raspi Vermouth. A beautiful woman with a captivating personality. Raspi's musical stylings were only surpassed by the quick wit with which she favored her audiences. Here she is now in a performance recorded in a Florida nightclub in 1956. Listeners may be interested to know that I have deliberately put scratches on this disc to increase its value. So I said to him, what the hell do you think I am, your own personal hawker? <laughs> hey, nice guy you're wearing, buddy, real nice. Couldn't the guy get your way? <laughs> hey, Mac, you just won the door prize. Ten nights with me. 
Raspy vermouth for my money, the female Oscar Wilde of the 1950s nightclub circuit. This is Clyde Gilmore from CBC Toronto. So long for now. Jim Wright, and this is The Entertainers. And today, a show of special interest to movie buffs. I really have no idea what's going on. That's the famous voice of a famous actor we'll be featuring later. But first... For almost half a century, the name of actor-director Houston Ford has stood for motion picture excellence. Such films as The Angry and The Beguiled and 3D Beach Party attest to his genius. Now a lively 79 years of age, he recently looked back over his long career, recalling his beginnings were not easy. Summer of 36, book a bus to Hollywood. Next day, went for a walk past the MGM Studios. Louis B. Mayer happened to be looking out his window. Said, I like that fella. Next day, I was starring opposite Shirley Temple and Little Miss Smarty Pants. Though rarely seen today, Houston films from those years are classics. The Man with X-Ray Hands, Rancho Del Monte, the Puerto Rico story, but one film stands out, the Maltese Falcon. Not the one with Humphrey Bogart, the one they shot before that, with Elmo Brick. In 1943, Houston stepped behind the camera to direct his first feature. Uh, it was more of a, well, I guess you'd call it a documentary, sort of, for the troops. Simplest is everybody's business. Houston Ford, a legend at 79. From a veteran retired from filmmaking to a veteran returning to filmmaking, James Mason. Word is out that Mr. Mason is returning to the screen in the latest teenage sexploitation flick, Getting Laid. We managed to catch up with him in New York. I, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. What did you say it was called? In the film, Mason plays the lecherous manager of a co-ed summer camp. It's an unusual role for the sophisticated British actor, and we asked him what it was made him decide to take it on. I'm really very vague on this. Uh, would you start from the beginning? While in New York, Mason seems more than anxious to get underway. Look, would you mind terribly? I have a number of telephone calls I must make. Getting Laid opens this summer at drive-ins everywhere. And that's it for The Entertainers. The Entertainers was produced in Toronto with the help of a girl working illegally in the States. I'm Jim Wright. Till next time, goodbye. This is CBC Radio. Hello, I'm guest host Jill Turner. And I'm Bob. And this is Cross Country Checkup, Canada's only national phone-in talk show. If you live in the Maritimes, the number to call is 514-419-6070. Ask for Eddie. If you live in British Columbia, call us three hours after we go off the air. If you live in one of the Prairie Provinces, dial 6. And if you live in Quebec, good luck.
Today's question, do you want to be obliterated in a nuclear holocaust? Our guest in the studio is the leader of the Conservative Party, Mr. Brian Mulrooney. Hello. Uh, hello, Joe. Mr. Mulrooney, do you want to be obliterated in a nuclear holocaust? Uh, Joe, uh, there are no clear answers to a question like that, and I wouldn't want to hazard a comment until I'd properly examine both sides of the issue. We have our first caller on the line. We'll ask you, do you want to be obliterated in a nuclear holocaust? I wouldn't mind. Would you explain yourself? Well, uh, a couple of nights ago, I saw this horrible play. I guess it was sort of a musical. Uh, we are your dead... And I mean, if that's the kind of garbage we have to sit through these days, maybe it's better to be obliterated in a nuclear war. Thank you, caller. Cross-country checkup, where are you calling from, please? Uh, the kitchen. Do you want to be obliterated in a nuclear holocaust? Well, when I heard today's topic, I sat down and wrote a poem. Yes? <clears throat> if one day the world was happy and all the people were gay... Thank you. This is Cross Country Checkup. Our guest is progressive conservative leader Brian Mulrooney. Mr. Mulrooney, you and your party have been accused of sitting on the fence, of trying to please everyone, of coming down on both sides of the issue. How do you respond? <coughs> uh, Jill, uh, there are two ways of looking at that. Uh, but let me say this. We of the conservative party have decided that world peace is a provincial matter. And let me add this. Though we have many differences between us within the Conservative Party, we will never resort to nuclear warfare to settle those differences. This is Cross Country Checkup. Do you want to be obliterated in a nuclear holocaust? For we have often heard it said, it's better to be dead than red. To that I say, Cross Country Checkup, go ahead. War is not healthy for children and other living things. Uh, it certainly isn't. Suppose they gave a war and nobody came. Here's a thought. I think it's important that we go placidly amid the noise and haste. You seem to be a bit of a philosopher, sir. Actually, I'm in the poster business. Thank you for calling. Time for one final call. This is Cross Country Checkup. Do you want to be obliterated in a nuclear holocaust? Please be brief. No! Thank you. Our guest in the studio today has been the leader of the Conservatives, Brian Mulrooney. And, Mr. Mulrooney, perhaps we can do this again sometime. Uh, Jill, as you know, I'm not given to making false promises. Although it would be a pleasure to meet with you a second time, I cannot now unequivocally say, I will. Uh, I will, however, give your suggestion full consideration, uh, weighing heavily the... This has been Cross Country Checkup. We no longer care if you want to be obliterated in a nuclear holocaust. So stop calling. This concludes our broadcast day. The CBC will regurgitate programming beginning promptly at 6 a.m. tomorrow, followed by some guys talking at 9. Round about 2, we'll play some records, and then we'll have some other guys talking. The CBC broadcasts at a strength of 8 million kilomodules with transmitter high atop an ivory tower on Mount Olympus. Until tomorrow, good night and good morning. This hour has 17 programs would like to thank Michael Boncourt, writer, performer, Gay Claytman, performer, Frank Daly, performer, John Disney, producer, Catherine Gallant, performer, Ray Landry, performer, Kathy Perry, sound effects, Tom Shipton, technical operations, Paul K. Willis, writer and performer.
You've been listening to a special comedy presentation from the Radio Variety Department of CBC. This is The Entertainers, and I'm Jim Wright. Stay tuned for the results of our Spot the Voice contest, and coming up now, the world of rock and roll, the real rockers Kiss, and first the Fantasy Four Spinal Tap from the manic mind of Rob Reiner. As the son of Carl, Rob Reiner naturally has a comedic bent, but the individual style he developed had to come from his own professional experiences, and he didn't always find the experiences easy. I got a lot of experience, but it was also very frustrating for me because when I joined the Smothers Brothers show, I mean, Tommy Smothers was producing Glenn Campbell's summer show, and then eventually I was hired on for the Smothers Brothers show, which was the last year that they did the show on CBS. And I was working with Steve Martin at the time. Uh, they paired us up because Steve and I were the youngest two writers on the show. And we, we'd sit around and come up with a lot of funny things, and then, you know, we'd, we'd never get them into the show. And I'll never forget, we did this one piece. We wrote a, a, a satire of these uh, Hollywood premieres that they used to have all the time, where Army Archer would be, you know, standing outside in front of a movie theater with the searchlights, and he would be interviewing the stars as they arrived at, uh, you know, whatever the... I think the, the film that we were doing was Renegade Nuns on Wheels or something like that. And we wrote this full piece you know steve 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 martin and i wrote this full piece and and uh we read it for all the writers you know because that's what we used to do we used to read your pieces in front of the writers and you know hear what they said and they laughed hysterically at this thing and thought oh god it's what a funny thing and it never got in the show and we used to every other week when we did this mother's brother show we uh, a sketch would get thrown out at the last second because of the censors there's always problems with the censors and we'd be up two o'clock in the morning and we'd be taping the next day and they say oh god what are we going to do we got no sketch we got we got to fill out the show and so alan bly or mason williams the head writer would say who's got anything does anybody have a sketch we can throw in and you know we'd say well what about the uh, what about the hollywood premiere we'd say and they say well let's hear it let's hear it again let's hear it and and steve and i would then act it out for everybody we'd act out all the parts and the place would be hysteric they'd be on the floor and then they go no it's not quite right and they'd shelve it and then every third week you know alan would say what about that Hollywood premiere thing? Let's hear that thing again. Is that any good? Maybe that's good. And we'd do the whole thing again and get to laugh and never get the piece in. So it was a bit frustrating for me, but uh, it was a great experience. Of course, the show that made Rob Reiner a household name was All in the Family. For seven years, he played Mike Meathead Stivic, the liberal foil to father-in-law Archie Bunker's redneck attacks. As a result, he found himself unwittingly a spokesman for the philosophies of the 60s. I was uh, talking with a friend of mine, Larry Hankin, who was also one of the original members of the committee the other day, and he was saying that he was watching uh, an episode of All in the Family on, uh, you know, the reruns. And uh, I don't know, he said that, you know, uh, I was having an argument with Archie about Indians' rights or something or other, and he, it struck him at the time, and when he mentioned to me, it, it, it was astounding to me that, uh, that he thought of it in this way, because I never, I certainly never thought of it when we were doing the show. But he said, it's really the only record left, you know, for, for the masses of uh, the expression of, of a certain philosophy uh, that came out of the 60s, out of all that political unrest during the 60s. I mean, we had, we had Mario Savio and, and Tom Hayden and, and Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman and Eldridge Cleaver and all these people who were speaking out on, you know, against the war in Vietnam and as far as civil rights was concerned. And yet, we all know about these people because we grew up with them. But I think generations to come are not going to be as familiar with, you know, they're not good. They will not have read Soul on Ice, but they will have seen uh, reruns of All in the Family. Another aspect of the 60s that had a deep influence on Reiner was the music. 
This influence was finally manifested in the film This is Spinal Tap, which Rob acted in as well as directed. It's an hilarious spoof of the pretensions of the world of rock music and rock movies. And true to its comic vision, the film's conception was as accidental as its heroes' careers. The four of us, Chris Guest and Harry Shearer and Michael McKean and myself, all uh, have worked together in the past. We did a television show for ABC about six years ago. And uh, during the taping of the show, um, we were doing a scene with a special effects and the machine didn't work. And Harry and Chris and Michael started go goofing around with these British rock and roll characters. And um, they, we were in hysterics. I mean, we started laughing. I said, geez, we should find a format for these, these characters. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.